Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Father, we just enjoy your presence and we just thank you, Father, that you have um, something for us this morning. And Lord, even as I release this word, as I release this, um, this message, Father, I pray that our hearts and our minds would remain open to what you are doing. And so we just thank you. We bless your name. Yeah, so good. So Maddie is in France right now. She's with her brother. They, they spent the night. Do you know the city of Carcassonne in France? You have. Let, let, if you don't know, it's a walled city. It's an ancient walled city. Um, there's a game called Carcassonne, if you're a gamer. Anyway, it's a walled city that was built during the Roman Empire. And over the last um, 3,000 years, it's been maintained. And so it's literally, there's 50,000 people that live in this walled city. It's like a medieval, um, a medieval city. And so Andrew and Maddie spent the night there. And they're touring it around. And there's, ran- like, it's just, it's amazing. And I just... You know, her, uh, her bravery is just phenomenal. I can't imagine doing what she was doing at 17. When I was 17, I was, I don't know what I was doing. I don't remember. But it wasn't traveling Europe by myself, that's for sure. So we always want more for our kids, right? More than what we did. We want to see our kids succeed more and more than what we do. And, and it's just awesome. So she is doing great. Andrew's doing great. And, uh, and Zach is graduating from his culinary arts program this week. Yeah. He's top of his class. He's number one in his class. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just making declarations. So it's good. Isn't this fun? Isn't it fun getting together? Listening to the kids yell and scream and, and, and have fun and hearing the testimonies. How many of us get really encouraged when we hear these testimonies? Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like we get encouraged and then we and then we have this sense in our hearts like yes, I want more. It's just the more I hear, the more the more um the more that I taste, it just causes a hunger in me to grow for more. And it it really is contrary to to physically what goes on, because the more we eat physically, um, the less hungry we become. But in the kingdom, the more we eat spiritually, the hungrier we get. It's like that upside-down kingdom, right? The kingdom of God is like it's opposite. First shall be last, the last shall be first. You know, if somebody hits you in the face, turn the other cheek. It's just contrary to what natural um, processes say. And it got me thinking, you know, this week is that as I was as I was kind of studying and thinking about this kind of stuff and getting excited, and I'm just so excited about Richard's testimony because it, you know, um, Melody has been not a project, but has been she's been on God's heart, and we get to partner with that together, and it's been a process. And is that process finished? Absolutely not. But we celebrate what God is doing and not what he's not. We don't focus on the fact that she still has issues. We focus on what he's doing. We focus on what God is doing in ourselves. 
You know, oftentimes we can get so put off by what we don't do, we forget that what we do do. And it's something that I think has got to be um, put into our DNA, into our renewed minds. It's got to this this concept that we actually have um, a biblical mandate for the things that we go after. We are mandated by Jesus to actually go after healing and go after um, seeing people set free. Isaiah 61 was, you know, when it says the spirit of the Lord is on us. He is. He's on us. He's, he's in us. And there's a mandate that Jesus gave um, for us to, to move forward. It's in our DNA as believers that we would move in the supernatural realm. It's part of who we are. Once we have actually become part of the family of God, once we have become who um, adopted into the kingdom, our DNA gets changed and it becomes divine. Are we gods? No, I'm not going in there. If you're watching online, I'm not saying that we're gods. But, our, but who we are is, is, the, is, is what Jesus has made us. It's our DNA. So when we go after this, you know, Jesus didn't just create us and give us this just to sit on our, on our, on our laurels, <laughs> sitting on our fannies, waiting for Jesus to return. And if you believed in the rapture, you know, some people believe that, you know, the rapture and we're just going to sit here. Everything is going to hell in a handbasket. Everything is getting worse. And we're just going to hunker down in our churches and wait for Jesus to return. And and then we'll be all good. We'll be caught up into glory and it's all good. And the rest of the earth can burn. Right. It's really bad theology. It's just not true. I could, don't get me going on that. But. Jesus did not give us power and authority to sit on our seats on a Sunday. He gave us power and authority to go out and to fulfill the Great Commission. He gave us power and authority to, um, to silence the illegal voice of the enemy who would come and kill, steal, and destroy. He gave us power and authority to go out. Our mandate is to go out and to heal the sick and to raise the dead and to cast out demons. And everything else that comes within that realm, he's given us the power and authority to do that. It's who we are. And if we're not doing it, then there's something wrong. And that's a hard word. It's like, well, I I can't. I've never had any ability to heal the sick. Just because you suck at something doesn't mean <laughs> just because you suck at something doesn't mean you have to stop doing it. Because what happens is we reduce our the great commission we reduce our assignment to our to the level of our experience and we go well I I've, I've tried to cast out demons and they don't work. I've I've tried to heal the sick and it doesn't work. I've, I've tried to raise the dead, and it doesn't work. So then I must, it doesn't work for me. God bless you for doing it, but I'm just going to stop doing it because it doesn't work. And that's not what Jesus did. He never gave us an opportunity to stop doing the things that he's commanded us to do. He's given us every opportunity to continue doing it until something happens. And so, and it, and it shows me that it's not about us. It's not about our performance. It's all about him working through us. And, but we have this tendency to stop doing it when we see things not produce. 
And again, it's an upside-down kingdom because, you know, in, 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 the, in a natural plane, if something continually does not work, it's the sign of insanity to keep doing it, hoping that it's going to, to change, right? We've been taught that. You know, if you're, you know, if you're doing something and you're continually doing it and it doesn't work, you're just hoping that it's going to change. But in the kingdom, it's opposite. The kingdom says you continually pray for the sick. You continually cast out demons. You continually pray for healing. Why? Because that's our assignment. It's our assignment to walk in the anointing that Jesus gave us. Dan spoke last week, and I can't remember if it was this verse or one similar to it, but Romans 15, 17, 19, I think it's verse 18. It, Paul says, in mighty signs and wonders, I fully preach the gospel. It was two parts, signs and wonders, and then he preached. Signs and wonders, supernatural, and then he preached. Now, preaching looks like different things. But Paul says, I went in and I gave the complete gospel. The complete gospel is signs and wonders and preaching. Now, the content, the gospel, it's another, another you know, what is the gospel? There's, that's a lot. There's a lot in there. It's simple, but there's a lot in that. And that's not where I'm going at. What I'm going at is understanding that our mandate is actually to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. It's to walk in a supernatural lifestyle. See, what happens is, the more we do this, the more we give opportunity for God to show up, and it builds a confidence in us. You know, there's faith was increased this morning when Richard gave the testimony of the fact that Melody is in remission, her diabetes is under control, and it, bring, it brought, it, it released something, and it, re, it released what? Faith and hope. Hope. The joyful expectation of something good. It's like, yes! And it's like, well, now I know somebody who's been healed of cancer. Now, we know a lot of people who've been healed of cancer. Right? But it, it releases something. If God did that in her, he's going to do that in me. If God did, did that in her, then, then, then I'm, I'm next. Wow, it's so good. So we've been given this assignment from Jesus. And we don't have the luxury of, of downplaying our assignment. Like I said, just because we don't, we're, not at, we're not really good at something doesn't mean that we stop doing it. I don't have the luxury of changing what I'm supposed to do just because I don't do it well. I've, I've shared this before with you. When I first started learning how to cook, the meals that I made were absolutely disgusting. But, I, but my mom, like I remember, three, year, three or four years old, I have vague memory, of going into the pantry, pulling down oatmeal, mixing it with something else, and just be, because that's what I saw my dad doing but I didn't see what my dad was doing to the detail of cups and measures and, and ingredients. I just saw my dad throwing things together, and in my mind, that's how you cook. And so I toddle over, go down, oatmeal, flour, whatever, water. Here you go, Dad. And what did my dad do? He didn't scold me. 
He didn't, or my mom, I can't, I can't remember which one it was. Probably my dad, because he was more of the cook in our family. But he didn't scold me for doing that. He was like, he saw something. And then flash forward a few more years, and, and I was five years, six years old making pancakes. And, and, and I could actually assemble to make pancakes from scratch, not Aunt Jemima. But I would forget the baking powder. And if you know anything about cooking, you need that leavening to make it nice and fluffy. So I had these little rubber hockey pucks. And, mmm, they were so good, my parents said. Oh, you know, because what five-year-old makes breakfast, right? But my point is, I didn't stop when things failed. I continued to grow. I continued to develop. And over 40 years, I, I, can, handle my, I, can, I can handle myself in the kitchen. And so I want us to look at Matthew 7 to begin with. And I'm going to look at a couple of passages in Matthew. And what these are have been typically verses that people would use to, to dissuade other Christians for walking in the supernatural. And I want to look at them and say, okay, these, this is our assignment. This is something that we've got to move on into. And when people come to us and say, hey, you're not supposed to be doing this. It's these you know, signs and wonders are for, for a... Uh, a perverse generation, we're going to talk about this, all right? So Matthew 7, 21, I'm going to start there. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter, oops, will enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. It's only those who persist in doing the will of my heavenly father. Verse 22, on the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons and do many miracles for the sake of your name? But I will have to say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels. I've never been joined to you. So verse 21, Jesus says, it's only those who persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father. How do we know God's will? How do we know what God's will is? Read his word. You know, Matthew 6, uh, it, it's, it's our vision. Matthew 6, 10. You know, it's, it's, it's talked about, it, it's, we, you know, we said it's the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Knowing the will of the Father, it is, it, it's, 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 it's tied in to the words of Jesus. Raise, um, you know, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, feed the poor. It, that's the will. And, and, and so what, what seems to have been happening here in, in this first part of, of the chapter, of, the, of chapter 21, was the sense that we're, we're just not going to do any of this because they weren't persisting. And Jesus said, like, you have to persist. Persist. It is only those who persist in doing the will of the Heavenly Father. Because not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in the realm. So there's this sense of, of um, obedience. You know, being, being part of his 
family, being in relationship with Jesus. There's, there's, a, there's a level almost of, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Is he your Lord? I don't understand what that means. The Lordship of Jesus is entering into a covenant with him that you say, I'm trusting you and I am following what you say. And I will be obedient to everything that you do and say. And so if you're not, you still believe in Jesus. But there's this, it's this requirement. And it's, this is not something that's really easy to communicate in a, in a sense that it's just kind of really light. Light and fluffy and airy because we're all, hey, we're all the same and we're all equal and, and we just do this. But I don't believe that we are. Because the fruit in our lives would indicate where we actually believe and where we actually are submitted to the Lordship of Christ in knowing him, in doing his will, in, in following his directives. How many of us, and myself included, have walked down the street now, and, and, and that still small voice that we know as the Father or as the Holy Spirit says, I want you to stop and just bless that person. And that's kind of airy-fairy words, but that, you know what I mean. It can be even simpler that stop and say hi. And we go, yeah, right. And we keep on walking. It's as simple as that. It's like, oh, I just, I was, we have to be honest and say, I was disobedient. Holy Spirit, I was disobedient. Please forgive me. Give me another chance. If you're, if you're, you know, you, you can think of ideas. You can think of instances in your life where no matter where you are, at work, at play, at home, at walking down the street, when you're at the fair, wherever, you're at the movies, anywhere that you've actually been in a contact with people, and if a thought crosses your mind that is contrary to how you would normally think, it's going to be either two voices. It's going to be the father or it's going to be the enemy. And the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and the Father wants to bring life and bring it more abundantly. So we can actually very quickly rule out who it is. And when the Father says, I want you to pray for that person, he's got a, she's got a cast on her leg or her arm, just release my kingdom on her. I couldn't do that. I can't do that. We're not persistent. We have to be persistent in doing the things of the kingdom. It's, it's time, like, you know, we're, we're, in this, we're in this realm right now, this moment of time, this, this season of actually the Lord calling us higher and with, for greater authority and greater power, but we actually have to be willing to continue to do the things that he's called us to do and give him opportunity to show up. And it's scary, but, but it shouldn't be, because do we trust him? Do we trust his word that says where you are with a few other people? There I am. And where, where Jesus is, wherever Jesus was, he healed and he set free and he rose people from the dead. Wherever Jesus was, that's what happened. So when Jesus says, in your midst, I am, what's going to happen? But we, 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 I think we fail to give him opportunity to do that because of our own fear. And it's not necessarily even just fear. It's a lack of confidence in who he is in us because we haven't experienced it. Because then again, we're taking our experience and making our experience God over Jesus. It's been my experience that says that this doesn't work. And we're changing. You know, we're, and I'm not, 
I'm not pointing fingers. It's just something that is just burning on my heart this week that we can't give up what God has called us to do because we're not seeing the results. We've seen people die, and it hasn't taken us out. But now the next step is to say we need to persist, and it's got to go beyond a gathering or an assembly that we have on Sunday mornings. It's got to break out into the world because that's where, that's where the needs are. We have needs here, but there's greater needs out there. And we can take care of some of the needs here if we're willing, but the persistence is there. It's out there. And Jesus did this. He sent out the disciples, you know, two by two. He says, here you go. Here's my authority. He breathed on them. Here's my authority. Heal the sick. You have authority to heal the sick. You have authority to raise the dead, cast out demons. We don't need to understand the ins and the outs of how to do something. Well, I'm never, I can't. I, demons, I just don't understand them. You don't have to. Just tell them to go. Picture yourself in Jesus' clothes. His sh- and picture yourself in a, you know, whatever Jesus, what you think Jesus would have wore. Right? Typically, it's like a long robe and, and sandals. Picture yourself as Jesus and go, leave. <laughs> and see what happens. See what happens if somebody is, is sick. You're healed. Was that theologically correct? I think there's more power in that faith statement of be healed than there is, I just don't know what I'm doing. See, like, and I've said this before, faith is spelled R-A-S-K. We have to risk. We have to risk by stepping out. When Jesus sent out the, the, the 70 and the 12, he, he, they came back and there was like amazing stories and they were all excited because their faith was built because they were doing something. And, they're like, and you're like, well, they were just hanging out with Jesus. Yeah, but we have Jesus. He's with us. The Holy Spirit is on us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And it gives, it that, that, gives us that, that impetus just to go, I want to see more. And it's something the Lord is even working in my heart. I'm not an evangelist by any means, and it freaks the heck out of me if I have to speak. But at the same time, I'm like, there's, there's, he's requiring something more of us. Requiring us that passion to say, he is alive in us. That's the good news. And I want to see people set free and brought in to a kingdom that they are going to be free in. So this first group... Um, They didn't try, it seems. Verse 22 says, On the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons and do many miracles for the sake of your name? But I will have to say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels. I've never been joined to you. So there's like two groups. First group is they didn't persist. Second group is we knew it all. We did it. We did it. We, we cast out demons and we, we, we raised the dead. And, and, and Jesus is like, but I didn't know you. So it's like this sense that invoking the name of Jesus and knowing about him still gives fruit. But there's something more that they were missing. And that was they didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't know him intimately. It's like because I'm a... Because I like to cook and I love, 
I love following different um, chefs. And, and one, of my, one of my current favorite chefs, his name is Thomas Keller. And he's this older gentleman who's been in, in, the, in the culinary arts world for probably 40 years now at least. And, um, and he's brilliant. He's just this brilliant chef and he's easy to listen to. And I, and, and I, and I learn and I'm taking classes and I'm like, this is amazing. And then I, I copy, you know, I copy the recipe and the yeah, end like, this is so good. And, and my kids are like, Bleh. and, and, you know, actually Maddie, just Maddie, <laughs> Maddie's very picky, but I can't say that I know Thomas Keller. I can copy everything that he does down to the minute detail and, 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 and present fruit from copying him. But I don't know him. I don't know what he thinks. I don't know what he likes personally. I don't know his ups and his downs, his, 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 his family history. I, I, just, I don't know. And it's just like that with us, with, with our relationship with the Holy Spirit, relationship with God, is that we have to actually spend time getting to know him, not just copying what Jesus did. You know? Knowing about someone doesn't mean you actually know them. And that's the problem with even in today's current subculture of social media, we think we know people because of what they post. You know, it's, it's something that if you're over 30, you know, it's a little bit of a, wow, this is weird because we didn't have that growing up. But if you're under 30, it's like, this is normal. So you see a celebrity on Instagram or Snapchat and you get to see what they're doing. It's like, oh, I know them. Yeah, I follow them. And they... They even liked one of my photos. Woohoo! But we get this idea that we actually know that person. And it's a false sense of knowing. And I believe it's one of the lies that the enemy would try to deceive us with is to say, well, you actually know God. How much time did you spend with him this week? Oh, you know, I just didn't have time. Well, the, the enemy tries to distract us. Well, you know him. You know him. The enemy did that with Eve in the garden. Did he really say? Or, and you start to question, start to misunderstand. But you're still working, you're still walking in power. But he's like, I, I, I desire more. I desire that intimacy with you. All right. Does that make sense? Let's look at Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 38. So then a few Jewish scholars and Pharisees spoke up and said, Teacher, why don't you perform a miraculous sign for us? Jesus replied, Only evil people who are unfaithful to God could demand a sign. There will be no sign given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just like Jonah was in the belly of a huge sea creature for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will also rise up on the day of judgment to accuse and condemn this generation, for they all repented when they heard the preaching of Jonah, yet you have refused to repent. 
And there is one greater than Jonah who is preaching to you today. Even the queen of Sheba will rise up on the day of judgment to accuse and condemn this generation for its unbelief. She journeyed from a far and distant land just to hear the wisdom of King Solomon. Yet now there is one greater than Solomon speaking to you and you still refuse to listen. See, that, that verse has been given as, as uh, cause for the cease, a, a cease of signs and wonders. Because they're saying, like Jesus said, a perverse generation is going to demand a sign. But they've taken this out of context. In order to see what the context is, we have to look back in, into the chapter. So let's look at verse 9. Same um, of Matthew 12. Then Jesus left them and went into the synagogue where he encountered a man who had an atrophied, paralyzed hand. The fault-finding Pharisees asked Jesus, is it permissible to perform a work of healing on the Sabbath when no one is supposed to work? They only asked him this question because they hoped to accuse him of breaking the Jewish law. He answered them, if any of you had a lamb that fell into a ditch on the Sabbath, wouldn't you reach out your hand to lift it out? Isn't a man much more valuable than a lamb? So, of course, it's always proper to do miracles even on the Sabbath. And he turned to the man and said, hold out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored exactly like the other. Immediately, the Pharisees went out and started to scheme about how they would do away with him. Jesus knew that they were thinking, so he left by another way. Massive crowds followed him from there. And then this is, this is amazing. And he healed all who were sick on the Sabbath. It wasn't just the one arm. He said he healed all. How much more value is a man over a lamb? Right? How much more value is a baby in the womb than a baby whale? It's our twisted sense of logic today that actually twists the, gives importance to more than one to another. No, they're both important. Don't get me wrong. But, but, our, but our logic, our pharisaical mindset in the world, not the church, says we have to rescue the seals but kill our babies. It's crazy. Both should batter, but not, not above a human life. Then verse 15, I read that verse 15, it says, Jesus healed all who were sick. And then it says in verse 22, the man, a man was brought before Jesus who had a demon spirit that made him both blind and able to, unable to speak. And Jesus healed him instantly and he could see and talk again. It's like he did it. He just, Jesus did it. And once again, all who came to Jesus were healed. And then you fast forward to, to verse 38, and the Jewish scholar says, Teacher, why don't you perform a miraculous sign for us? <laughs> That's the context. See, the, the, the Pharisees, they, they didn't want, they didn't really want the miracle. They, they, they were looking for something that they could control. Their understanding was this. It was contrary to what the kingdom was being proclaimed. It was contrary to what Jesus was proclaiming. So they were looking for a pillar of fire. They were looking for water from the rock, which they had. They were looking for manna. 
They were looking for a sign, but they missed what was going on right in front of them. And that's why Jesus said, a perverse generation will look for a sign. He was doing it. He was doing it. He was releasing. They wanted something more, but they missed the intent of what God was doing right in front of them. So imagine, imagine Jesus coming into your neighborhood and your next door neighbor is, is, is all crippled up and, he, and he, can't, he can't work properly because he's got this wounded wing. And Jesus just comes in and touches him and he's healed and now he becomes a more productive member of society who can work and provide for himself and his family. And then our hearts rise up and going, wow, that, that, that seems demonic. That's what happens. Even within our Christian, our Christian, some Christian circles, well, they will see the, the power of God in their midst and they'll go, ah, oh, it's, it's the enemy. It's, it's Satan. And Jesus had a lot to say about that. But this is where our, 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 sorry, our, this is where our mandate has to become firm in our hearts that no matter what, the opposition is we continue to walk and we proclaim the kingdom of God. Just like John the Baptist did, just like Jesus did. He said, this is my father's kingdom. This is what we're doing. This is what I'm all about. It's the Sabbath. Yep. And God loves regardless. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Is that right? The miracles, the miracles, and this is something that the Pharisees looked at, the miracles of God were not made for entertainment. And I, I think that, that sometimes we get this three-ring circus feel, this carnival feel. Somebody comes up and they give a testimony of, of a massive healing, of a breakthrough, and it's like, yay, God, and that's good. But what's the heart of God in this? It's not for entertainment. It's to actually see the lives of the enemy being broken. That the, kill, the, the, the one who had come to kill, steal, and destroy is actually being silenced as the one who comes to give life and give it more abundantly. It's, it's the miracles and the supernatural are actually present to restore us to God's original intent. It's always been his intent to bring life. And it's always been his intent to to release power. And with power, we bring justice to the demonic realm who's come to kill and steal and destroy. And that's what Jesus did. I've spoken about this before. Jesus came to actually highlight the kingdom. Highlight what the father was doing. Highlight who his dad was. As an ambassador of the kingdom, yes, he was the son. He was the son of God. He is the son of God. He came to the earth to say, look, you guys are under oppression. You've let the enemy come in. He's, he's binding you up. And now I get to show off what my father is really like. You've, you've given 613 or 622 rules. And I'm here to say, we've got one. We're down to one law. One command, and and we get to show it off, and that's love. That's who Jesus is. That's who God is. And he did that, and that's the same thing he tells us to do. 
So we need to stop adjusting our understanding how the kingdom of God works based on our experience and how the laws of nature work. And it goes down to, you know, as, as I'm going to be 50 this year. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, you know, as I've, in the last couple of years, I've noticed things come out of my mouth. But I'm going, man, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm, I'm, I'm stiffer than I was in the morning than I was 20 years ago. And I'm speaking these things out because that's the law of nature. As you get older, things start to happen to your body. And then we start to confront or we start to conform to these thoughts because that's nature. But it's actually opposite to what the kingdom of God is. We need to actually start be speaking over our bodies and saying, I am strong. I am whole. I am actually getting younger. In my body, I am just, you know, and it's and start believing and working these things into our body. And I'm like, you know, I'm getting a little white, little, little patch back here. And if I'm going to be honest, it drives me insane because I've always had a full head of hair. And so, and I'm not doing the comb over thing, but I'm like, I know I'm good, but it, it, it bothers me because, you know. And I see, I see pictures of me from behind, and I'm like, who is that? Oh, my God, that's me. I didn't know I was that. And I'm not bald by any means. I mean, but it bugs me. So what do I need to do? I need to start declaring over my head that there's a full head of hair. Why not? Why not? Randy, you should do the same. I'm just... <laughs> just lay hands on it. Anyway. See, this is, I honestly believe this is part of our renewing of our minds because we're not walking in, a, in the laws of nature. We're walking in a supernatural mindset. So if our minds, as we get older, I can't, I, honestly, I can't remember as well as I did when I was 20. Like, my kids bug me. Like, Dad, this happened at this date, at this time. And I'm like, man, I wish I could remember. Like, because I used to have a steel trap member. I could remember names, places, dates. And I figure, well, the older I get, the more names, dates, places I have to remember. And so I just kind of flush the last 20 years. But it doesn't, it, it, I really believe it doesn't have to be that way. We, re, we renew our minds. How do we renew our minds? We renew our minds. How? Through the word, through his presence and declarations over our bodies. Do you think Melody was healed just like that because, because we just did it? God could have, but I believe it was a process. I was listening to Bill, um, Bill Johnson the other day, and one of the elders in the church um, had a grandson who was autistic. And apparently he was, I don't know what the scale is, but off the scale autistic. And, and they had him tested, and he was just very autistic. And so they started to speak life over his body every day, every day. And it took, I think, it, I think he said it took two or three years, every day, speaking life over his body. And then at one point, his parents took him in to get tested, and he was normal. Right? It, it, but we tend to say, well, he's autistic. That's just the way he is. That's just the way she is. If things are like, if it, you know, do you understand what I'm trying to say? 
we, we, start to un, we start to accept things as if they're gospel truth when they're actually alive from the enemy holding us back from, the, from who God has intended us to be. We do it for ourselves. We do it for people around us. Oh, you have diabetes? Oh, I'm so sorry. You should have probably been better when you were younger. You know? Oh, you're, you're getting what you paid for. That's bullshit. That is holy bullshit. It really is. It just is. And we, we can't accept it any longer. We have to change the way we think. If we contended daily for something in our life that is normal but not... What if we, can, sorry, what if we contended daily for something in our life that is not normal but is actually part of the kingdom? What if I contended daily for a full head of hair? It's silly. What if I did? So all of a sudden, in six months, I'm walking with this fro. <laughs> Peace out, babies. It worked. <laughs> but what if we spoke at our bodies, and our, and our bodies as, as some of us older ones, middle-aged ones, and we're saying, my body works in Jesus' name. I, I speak life over my body. God has created my body to work. I'm, I am, I am an, I'm active. I am whatever. And we see change. Then that kind of, that kind of authority... See, God has given us two areas of ministry, regardless of who you are. If you're sitting in this room, you, God, Jesus has re- released on you two areas of ministry. He's given you um, overt ministry, and he's given you covert ministry. The overt ministry is actually power. He's given you power. And the covert is, wins- is wisdom. You never thought of it that way, did you? Well, what's the will of God in my life? Well, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. And he's given you the keys to do that with power and wisdom. See, part of the, part of the world, part of the Christian life, um, or Christian, I shouldn't say Christian life, part of the Christian culture will actually choose one of the other. Oh, I choose wisdom. Power is scary. And yet the crazy charismatic sometimes is like, oh, I choose power. Power all the way, baby. Dunamis, wahoo. Wisdom, what's that? <laughs> and so it's kind of scary, you know, if you think of us walking with one or the other. And, and be honest with yourself. Think to yourself, which one do I favor? Do I favor power or do I favor wisdom? Because usually we will favor one over the other. And if we favor one over the other, the other one that we don't favor is probably the one that we need the most to balance us off. Jesus walked with power. And he walked with wisdom. And what is wisdom? Anybody? I had a definition here. What is wisdom? Wisdom, just the definition of wisdom. It's actually viewing things through God's eyes. It's viewing, viewing, viewing a situation through the eyes of the Father. Because if we can view a situation through the eyes of the Father, it's actually going to circumvent our own understanding and we get wisdom. That's just one part. But So Jesus uses... Um, how much time do I have? Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Are you all right? Jesus uses two examples. He uses the, the example in uh, Matthew 12 of Jonah. 
And he's saying, you know, here go here. Jonah uh, has this boldness to see a city saved. He didn't want to go to Nineveh, and um, but he went to Nineveh and he preaches, and and the power of God was released, and the entire city comes to repentance, and the entire city is then saved, and it changes everything. And then Jonah goes away mad because they 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 repented. That's a whole different story. But he went in because God gave him this boldness and he had this boldness. And he goes, fine, I'm going to do it. After spending three days getting tenderized, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And then Jesus says, the people of Nineveh will stand in judgment because they repented with, with less. They repented with less than what we have today. We have the authority of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. And they're saying, no, Jesus, like in this generation, you will be judged because, because of what you're doing. Now, is it talking about us in this generation? No, I don't believe he is. But the parallels are there. We have more power and authority and wisdom than Jonah did. That was the point of Jesus. We have more. And then the same thing with the Queen of Shiva. She literally traveled around the world, around the known world at the time. She traveled around the world because she heard of Solomon's wisdom. And she goes, I got to get what he's got. And so she sacrificed time. She sacrificed energy. She sacrificed resources to get into the presence of Solomon and learn. And then Solomon blessed her and sent her back. And she was like, she was a changed woman. And Jesus is saying the wisdom that you have today is greater than even Solomon because Jesus is greater than Solomon. And so we have something. We have been called to an overt ministry. We have been called to a covert ministry. And we have to ask the Holy Spirit saying, which one is, am I lacking? Because it really sucks to walk with a limp. Because it's like, it's like that, those ministries are our legs. These are what carry us, carries us. Wisdom, power, wisdom, power, carry us. And we go out into the world. And as we do the things that he's called us to do, we need both of those things to be well-balanced and normal people. But we're walking in a supernatural lifestyle. God has called us to ne- demonstrate this good news of his kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom through power and wisdom. We've got to develop both. It's, it's, I want to say it's easy, but sometimes it's not. But we have to have this understanding that this is what he's given us and it's good. That makes sense? Awesome. Let's stand. Thanks for listening to our sermon of the week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.